the number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica. Good morning, guys, and welcome to episode 103 of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Bexon. Uh, today, we've got an amazing uh, person coming on to the podcast, Bruce McKillen. Bruce has been here in Costa Rica for, wow, I mean, close to 20 years um, and is someone I would say that made it in Costa Rica. Bruce uh, actually ran a very successful catamaran company, then sold that, uh, has a beachfront kind of restaurant and club, also owns a company called Stay in Tamarindo, which I think manages close to 80 properties uh, up in Guanacaste, uh, all over, um, and also has developed his own um, development here called Sede Grande Estates, which is an equestrian development, which I believe is around about 100 plus hectares here. So has gone through the whole process there. There's not much that he hasn't done. So it's going to be great chatting to him uh, about his experiences. Um, remember, guys, if anyone needs any help or wants to talk to us, they can. Um, we focus more on kind of helping people make the right investments or relocating here to Costa Rica and also have a department within the business also that does project management for development and also building of homes as well. So you can contact us info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, just send us a quick email. Uh, we'll respond back and kind of organize the time. Um, as I said, I got 15 minutes for everyone. So more than happy to chat with anyone uh, about what they'd like to chat with. Um, but anyway, let's get straight into the podcast. Good morning, Bruce. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm excellent this morning. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the podcast. I know that you're up there in Hacienda Pania, if I'm correct, right? Correct. Yeah. So yep. it's, and, you're, uh, and, you, I'm and you are where? I'm in a Redia at the moment. Ah, I usually perfect. bounce around. I'm in a Redia, but then tomorrow I go to Playa Hermosa in Guanac. Uh, no, sorry, in Punta Arenas, and then actually further up north to Guanacaste the next day. So kind of a little all over the place at the moment. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice up in the hills there. And, uh, Redia was a little chillier. It's uh, cooler uh, this time of year. It's nice here though. It's uh, it, you know temperature drops. The ground gets really wet, and uh, it's the most comfortable time of year. Yeah, I, I like Guanacaste this time of year. And it's also green. It's lush green. Um, yeah. And some people some people are like, I can't believe that this place goes brown, like completely brown. And, you know, it's kind of becomes a dry rainforest, a dry forest. Yeah, it looks like Southern California for four or five months of the year. Nobody can believe that it's a tropical rainforest when it's dry. And no one can believe it's dry when it looks like it does now. Because it looks like it grows like this. It looks like the Amazon around here. And yeah. uh, the transition is incredible. The leaves drop. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, uh, the, the, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I mean, you've been here in Costa Rica for a while now, Bruce. Uh, how many years have you been here now? About, about wow. almost 20. I moved here in 2003. We came for a year. We did it. You know, I sold my, my practice in the States and we came for a year on a sabbatical and uh, we never left. So, good for you. Good for um, you. Yeah, we just, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was great. It was, uh, it was an exciting place. There was a lot happening. There was, uh, there were people moving here and raising their families like they were living in North America. They weren't, they weren't living off the grid, becoming gypsies. They were, you know, like peers from back home, but they were living here. And, uh, and yet this place was incredibly rural. We didn't have an airport in Liberia. We didn't have uh, an auto mercado. Auto mercado. We shopped out of these little supers that were like uh, hotel gift shops, you know. And yep. uh, and if we want to get groceries, we drove to San Jose. 
Um, and then little by little, the airport opened and things started to happen. And it's just been, you know, it's been really nice. So it was nice to be that rustic. And then it was nice to be relieved with new services too. <laughs> well, so I mean, really become the big you, city since then. You've been here 20 years, but I mean, since the pandemic, I mean, what cha- changes and trends have you seen that you think are probably here to stay? Well, um, I, I know we're going to talk a lot about investment, so that definitely necessitates talking about real estate. So I'll tell you the biggest trend we saw was, you know, post-2008 uh, financial crisis, we didn't see a lot of movement here. We didn't see a lot of residential uh, arrivals. We saw a few, but not a lot. And uh, the investment here was driven by uh, speculation. People wanted to buy because this was a booming area. We saw huge tourism growth, but we didn't see as many people moving here as we did prior to 2008. Um, uh, so lots of speculation, lots of uh, growth, lots of sales. Most of it was for the rental market, um, a small amount of residential relocation. And then when the when COVID hit and the world shut down, we actually ended up with a whole bunch of people who were renting here that ended up staying during the uh, crisis. And then they actually became residents. I mean, a lot of people were, were on vacation, got stuck, and then never left. <laughs> and then a lot of people in the States were like, you know, I want to get out of urban centers and as they did in so many places and they came here so we've had an explosion of uh residential uh, interest here so there you know prices have gone up because people were buying for themselves not, not for return on investment um and uh moving here the school uh enrollment has skyrocketed uh people people are moving here like crazy now and it's a it, there's a whole shift in the demographics of who lives here and it's really been a yeah. very good one to be honest and it's continued it continues you know, people with the, you know, when, when everyone was forced to work at home, go online at home, uh, for school at home, uh, everybody decided, hey, I can live anywhere. And so why am I living where I'm living? Why don't I live in Guanacaste? And uh, I'm sure that happened. That phenomenon happened everywhere. But it certainly happened here. And that trend really, really changed things. Um, and then, so we've had a secondary real estate boom, which we hadn't had in a long time. And, uh, you know, 2008 happened and there was a, real, a, a major collapse and the market really never came back. Uh, when the U.S. market rebounded, we did not. We were the flat no man's land market for, you know, till probably 2017, and so we had a lot of catching up to do. Um, yeah, so uh, a lot of new residents, a lot of new people, a lot of people uh, are suddenly arriving here. Our population is growing like crazy. Our weights at the the intersections are exploding. <laughs> All of a yes. sudden, our infrastructure is being tested. Um, but uh, but it is making it a richer area. I do enjoy living in it uh, through these changes, except for the uh, except for the new traffic. <laughs> well, Bruce, I mean, you've done quite a few things here in Costa Rica. I have the utmost respect for you for what you've done. But is it possible to give the audience an overview of kind of what you, of your experience here in Costa Rica? Yeah, definitely. Um, we um, I, I'm a, I'm originally a chiropractor. I I uh, practiced in San Diego for many years. I was a real estate investor on the side. I bought, you know, apartments and whatnot. And uh, we moved here in order to take a year off. And I just thought, okay, um, we'll uh, we'll look around and see what comes up. First thing that came up was I ran into uh, a catamaran sailing tour that uh, the guy had just arrived. His mother was diagnosed with cancer. He had to leave, so he hadn't even put it in business. So. 
I bought the Lazy Lizard and I opened that up in business for, you know, five years and ran a catamaran sailing tour. So uh, it was very similar to, to running a practice back home. It was just a different sub, different product. And, you know, and so the entrepreneurial spirit sort of became uh, the way to go here. And, it, and honestly, you have to be an entrepreneur in Costa Rica because so many people can't bring their jobs here or if they do get a job, I mean, unless they're online. But if they do get a job here, the wages are just not going to keep up with what they need to make, um, you know, to live. So people are forced into an entrepreneurial habit. And, uh, you know, navigating Costa Rica and small business and entrepreneurial efforts, it's a, it's a very different animal. And if you figure that out, you're going to be fine. Yep. Um, so we sold that. We went into real estate development. 2008 hit. Uh, froze all of those efforts and energies. Um, you know, but part of our real estate uh, project was to do a beach club. So we ended up opening up our beach club restaurant, which is now Pongas. Uh, that has been a, a big success, and I'm really happy with that and really grateful for that. And uh, we, uh, we went ahead and built, you know, we're basically building an El Tesoro next door to Tamarindo Heights at the entrance to Tamarindo. And uh, we tried to launch that development as so we built. Um, six units for sale and there, there was no market. They just wouldn't sell. So yeah. we, turn, we turned our attention to renting those units so that they would have an income so that the income would drive the sale. And uh, uh, that worked. So all of a sudden we had a good rental program and that we built on that. That became my next business and uh, we've been running that ever since. At the same time, in 2000, back in 2003, we became, uh, we lived on a hill up uh, near Tamarindo. We were waiting for our place on the beach to become available. So we rented a place up on a hill nearby Tamarindo and fell in love with it. The, the views were amazing. That cool air was amazing. The lack of mosquitoes at elevation, you know, and uh, these, the, the light coming across the valley uh, in the mornings and the sunset. That's in the, the light shows from the clouds. It was just this incredible quality of life. Then we left there and got our place on the beach and uh, realized that uh, the quality of life was a fraction of what it was up on a hill. And, and I'm like, what are people chasing? <laughs> so we got to the beach and all of a sudden we've got mosquitoes outside. We have to use the air conditioner. It's much hotter. Uh, the airflow is not there. And uh, we became obsessed with this idea that you could, you could live on a hill and have a view. And so we started looking for properties that were close to the water, but had hillside and view and airflow and all the, all the things we discovered. And, uh, so we purchased in that, that year uh, a farm out here just behind Hacienda Pena called uh, Cerro Grande. And um, we have 105 hectares out there and it's got lowlands and highlands and middlelands and all that. It's got it's beautiful views. It's got all those conditions we we're looking for. At the same time, back in those days, we had uh, three small children. And, uh, you know, I think my youngest was six months when we moved here. My oldest was six years old. And uh, again, there was no infrastructure here, no sidewalks. You couldn't use a stroller in town. Uh, yeah, shopping was a nightmare. So while I was thriving, my wife was really having a hard time. So I discovered um, horseback riding. So I brought her to uh, Flamingo Equestrian back then. And uh, this great instructor, Amanda, was teaching horseback riding. And we got her into horseback Writing. And she started learning dressage and jumping and all that. And uh, it was the greatest thing in the world because all of a sudden she fell in love with something in Costa Rica that she probably couldn't have back home. And uh, it turned the corner. So it's really important if you ever move here to make sure that both parties 
a couple have got their groove because Costa Rica is not the same environment as back home. And it, it sometimes doesn't resonate with one or the other. And we've seen a lot of couples come and one will thrive and the other will suffer. So it's a uh, you know, note, to, note to people who are looking to make it here. Both have to resonate. It's a really important ingredient. Um, and, and there's a lot to do here. So if you take the time to figure out how to navigate Costa Rica, its cultures, its ways, its opportunities, uh, there's a ton to do, but it isn't, it is a different interface. So it might take some work. So we got into horses, we took our, our farm, uh, and um, I decided, well, if a little's good, a lot is better. So let's build her an equestrian center. And uh, that'll really anchor her here. She won't be able to go anywhere and <laughs> screw up my fun. <laughs> and uh, so we did, we built an equestrian center out there. We call it Cerro Grande Estates. And uh, um, uh, that's become a project. And we, like I said, we started that in 2003. We had the idea that, that a great big piece of land that's well-respected, reforested, you know, um, uh, has great pastures and, and beautiful scenery could be uh, a really ideal place for a real estate project. So basically, rather than cut it up into small lots, we decided, okay, let's just, let's just pick the natural uh, contours of the land, make the lots oversized. People will want these little small farms. Uh, they'll be able to have the equestrian center facility right there. They'll be able to do all the horsemanship they want or get the support for their horses that they want, or they'll just be able to live in a rural setting. Um, uh, if you go back to California, some of your, you know, where I'm from, some of your nicest neighborhoods were very similar. They were oversized. They were, they were, you know, um, I think about uh, Retro Santa Fe. It's one of the oldest neighborhoods in California. And I, it was always an inspiration. Uh, um, uh, Santa Luz, a new one. They're, they're really developed along these similar lines. And so uh, we picked uh, that theme and we started developing. And uh, we, we just took 20% of the farm, brought it into 16 properties. It's about 20 hectares. And uh, that uh, um, laid it out and it looks beautiful. Um, and recently it all, that portion all sold and we'd left the rest of it for future use and future development. And we're going to start planning the rest of it in the same theme. Um, we've got some great view properties in there, um, close to the beach. We'll be building a home out there ourselves here. Uh, we'll be break, we've broken ground. We'll be starting construction here at any moment. And, um, uh, I think in the end, we'll probably have 40 to 60 properties on 105 hectares so it's a real good distribution of land uh, density uh, very important to keep it beautiful so we, we and, and we've been busy with that since 2003 the biggest dilemma there uh, was getting our water uh, we I was about to ask well right away. It was. that that was a nightmare that was a nightmare when we first bought the farm we went and we bought uh, a couple of wells we said okay we want wells so we contacted the you know, a geologist and, and he goes, great, I can, I can get you the well permits. So we got the well permits and uh, we had, we dug the wells. We went to register the wells and uh, that guy was suddenly in hiding and we found out our well permits were phony and we paid for oh. phony permits. <laughs> so it's like, okay, great. Um, uh, so that was a bit of a process. Back then there was a lot of a lot of environmental struggle in this area and yep. they just weren't issuing new well permits. So now we have these wells, we have these wells that uh, were working great, but we didn't have permits for it. So we went through the long process of assigning it to an ASADA 
and getting our uh, our water studies done and our you know all, going through all the technical processes. But boy, it took it took 15 years. <laughs> it was wow. absurd. Wow. And uh, we've always we've always had the rule that we wouldn't bribe our way through the process because yep. we're here to add. It's a very important rule. We're here to add value to the culture. The um, we're here to add value to the country. We're we're guests. We're we're you know we're not here to to parasite off of it. But um, and the, and one of the ways to really erode the culture is to contribute to the corruption here. So we've never done yep. that. And uh, and boy, does that slow things down. <laughs> Unfortunately, it slows things down. So I highly recommend that that's a posture taken by all because uh, it just encourages more of it. And and once they own you, they own you. And I've seen it. I've seen yep. it really get ugly. But yep. the Costa Ricans, one of the beautiful things about Costa Ricans is part of their culture, but it's not part of their culture. Uh, they're a Latin American country that uh, has a lot of that, like so many do. And I'm recently discovering so does our country. But uh, but it's it's something they're not proud of, and it's something they're ashamed of, and it's sort of something they want to throw people in jail jail for. So this country is really fighting for a way out of that that image and ideology that that's part of it. In other countries, I won't name names. That's baked in, and it's not going anywhere. It's part of the system. This country uh, has. I really believe they they look at it like it's shameful. They, they're ashamed of it if it occurs, yep. uh, and they and their government rallies around eliminating that they do they have a history of throwing people in jail for it it's really wonderful actually so you you we really want to not undermine that effort so uh, anyway that's why one of the reasons it took us so long to get our water um which we recently got and uh so now we're going to slowly move forward we had uh, you know uh, the first phase sold quickly and then the second and third phases uh will be designed and released relatively soon and i'm really excited it's you know the location is just great. We're right right behind Hacienda Pinilla, um, right in front of uh, uh, maybe you know, uh, oh God, uh, Canya Fistula area. They're in front of that. You come to us from the Pinilla side, so it's a really good uh, proximity to Pinilla, Avianas, uh, Tamarindo. It's really easy to get to, and uh, yeah, I think you've been. I mean, there, it's, so. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I was I was blown away when i went to it just the views you know you know of the on those hills when you stand and you see and you can see all the way down the coast um yeah. you know and it's i think it's you know I, a lot of people out there are looking for a larger piece of land they're looking to kind of get off grid and well, i wouldn't say off grid but they want you know to just be out there in nature and and, and you know Sede Grande Estates has that um i mean how many people do you have buying their brews or, or kind of moving there that aren't you know, into, you know, horses and want, you know, farms, but people just building homes out there to just kind of, they want to, they want to be close to Tamarindo if they want to go there and auto Mercado, but kind of want to be far enough away that they feel like they're in Costa Rica. Uh, yeah, we, we have um, two buyers that uh, don't, aren't horse people, but they, okay. they love, they love the opportunity of, the, the nature of the larger lots, yep. the views. Um, I imagine our view properties may go to horse people because horses uh, yep. and views don't necessarily go together because if you have a, if you have a view, you have a hill and a steep driveway and horses and steepness don't go well. So we assume our lower lands will go uh, to our uh, horse people and our view properties might go to someone else or someone in between. But um, but yeah, the, the key ingredients are that you're within a short distance of the beach, short distance of the school, short distance to the major grocery stores and within an hour of the airport. The hour to the airport seems to be the, the magic range. 
Yep. And uh, two hours from the airport seems to be a bit out of the range, but uh, yep. we have all of that. And, and so we're well located. Um, Bruce, and they're actually Bruce. just paved, they're paving the roads now, right this minute to the oh, wow. gate of Pania. So uh, finally, finally. Yeah, well, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't, I've come to not believe roads will be paved until they're actually paved, even if they're I'm working the on because I've seen that before. Yeah, but uh, uh, at the moment, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, wow. biting too soon. But it looks like they're paving the road to Pinia. Wow, Bruce, um, what services do you think are seriously missing in in Guanacaste? I mean, for anyone looking to come down there to start a business, I mean, where do you think the opportunity is? Uh, so th there's no question about it. It's uh, financial uh, financing. Okay. So the biggest. Uh, challenge in this country is there's uh there's really no way to get bank loans i mean on paper you can go, go visit a bank and he can they'll tell you what you want to hear but um then you'll start a process that just never ends um <laughs> i was foolish enough to start one two years ago i'm still in it <laughs> and like <laughs> are you kidding me so uh and i've got everything i've got history banking credit in this country yep uh um, cash flow. I've got everything, and they just can't get through the process. It's they they're they're very awkward awkward with loans. So there's expensive loans and private money, uh, you know, but it's expensive, and it's usually short term. So financing is the biggest obstacle. Uh, patience is the other obstacle. You know, we all um, things happen at their own pace here, and uh, and accepting it is the most important thing you can do. If you accept it or push on it, but it doesn't break you and you don't get frustrated, you'll do well. Um, the the other big secret to doing business in Costa Rica is a, a, this is a country based on relationships, yep. not based on terms and conditions. That's all they care about. Um, and so invest in your relationship skills. Uh, when you do when you do business with somebody or you have a client, it's they, they spend the first five minutes talking about your mother, your grandmother, the football game, and everything else. That's the most yep. important part of the meeting. It isn't perfunctory activities to get to a business deal. That's the meat of it for them. They 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 like relationships and they'll do anything for people that are their friends. And that's how you build bridges here. If you don't invest in relationships, you're going to be very frustrated here. It is I not agree. a businessman's country it is a relationship country first that does business second and Correct. uh you've got to invest in that so yeah. um and then and Costa Ricans will do anything for their friends and they'll sabotage the world for their enemies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i love you, this country you're nodding a, you're country. nodding in agreement <laughs> I love this country. I really so, do. I mean, I, I'm just I, reminded by the Wolf of Wall Street when they go to Switzerland and he wants to get straight down to business. And they're like, we yeah. do 10 minutes of small talk here. Then we talk business. I'm like, I, like, if you just text someone here, like, hey, I need this. The response is, buenos dias, como estas? Like, yeah. how, like there's all that yeah. that you've got to go through. Yeah. You've got it. Actually, that's a, a good gringo strategy to practice that. I bonded with that same scene from Wolf of Wall Street for the same reason. But yeah, you've got to practice your your small talk, honestly. Hey, yep. how you doing? Yeah. How's your mom? How's your friend? How was your weekend? Okay, do you, you know. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it's beautiful. It's I love actually it. it's a beautiful part of the culture. It's beautiful. I agree. I yeah. agree. I agree. Uh, Costa Ricans have great values. They value family, they value their sports, they value uh, their their free time, they value, you know, they value friendships like crazy. Yeah. Um, and they're 
yeah, it's a, and it's a good thing for us to learn. It's good for us actually to use a little more of that. And if you have, well, those, Bruce, have the skills, it'll make a difference. Well, Bruce, my last question for you is I, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I mean, if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it into a business or real estate in Costa Rica, and you're, you need to generate returns, you know, whether it's cash flow or capital appreciation, what would you invest it in and why? Um, okay, the, um, you, you're going to be surprised. I won't say buy, buy land in Cerro Grande because uh, <laughs> I, I think that, um, I guess, I guess if you, uh, I would buy, I would do two, two things would come to mind. Number one would be a piece of real estate that is well positioned that uh, will make income. Um, and, uh, and, and it's not just any piece of real estate. I would buy something that is uh fits the rental market right there's you could you could find a a piece of real estate that uh is in demand where the supply is limited demand is higher and the look and appearance is competitive i think there's a formula for that and that's that's what we do in my other company is uh we manage properties for that uh for that return on investment um so that would be the easy one and if it's bought well you're going to get good cash flow and you're going to get capital appreciation uh, buy the wrong property and you're going to just break even. We don't have many loser properties, but we definitely have some that uh, don't make that much money because they they fall outside the ideal parameters. But to be honest, I would buy, buy I would buy a business. Um, <clears throat> I would take five hundred thousand dollars and I would find a good business in a good industry, something that somebody's already begun and's got the framework bones and uh, isn't asking for a fortune without financing here you just nobody's gonna if nobody will finance real estate can you imagine nobody will finance uh, small business sales <laughs> so it's all 100 percent cash i would imagine that you could find a small business uh and and get a good price on it and if you're a businessman and you can take it and improve it i think that would be a great use of that that kind of an investment um and uh that's one that's a possibility uh, real estate's a safe one because even if it goes south, you have the asset and you're not going, you're not losing money. A business is a risky one because if you collapse the business, you've got nothing left unless you bought it yeah. with real estate. So, well, they're I great would, options, but I think I mean, the opportunity, I, the great opportunity, yeah, the great, yeah, the great yeah. opportunity would be a small business, but not a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> they have crazy. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, Bruce, this sort has been this service. has been this has been an amazing yeah. podcast. I I really really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of what I know is your busy day. I know that you are juggling chainsaws over there between you know your developing property management, um, also your you know your beachfront um, property that you have there. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and I think I'll put all of your uh, the details of your businesses in the description below. Um, and thanks again for taking the time, Bruce. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Uh, really nice speaking to you. This was fun. Thank yeah. you. You too. Have, Have a, a good day. one. You too. I hope you enjoyed that podcast there with Brooke uh, McKillen there. Uh, as you can see there, Bruce has a wealth of knowledge um, and just it's his experience is wide and also deep. And it was just great, you know, getting his understanding there of the dynamic of also relocating and running a business here. And I mean, everything he says, I just want to echo of, you know, this is a country of relationships, meaning that if you just want ones and zeros, that's not it. But if you can take the time, have the patience to build and, uh, the, you know, those strong relationships in the community here, you can do very, very well. Because as Bruce said, there is, you know, I mean, Ticos will, you know, open up their doors uh, to their friends um, and help you with anything that you that you need. 
Um, but anyway, remember, if you want to reach out to us, you can info at investingcostarica.com, info at investingcostarica.com. If you've liked the podcast, guys, uh, please give us a review, a thumbs up. Um, and remember, you can always reach out to us for anything you need. Till the next podcast, guys, I appreciate your time. Bye. The number one Costa Rica real estate and investment podcast, bringing you experts from all over Costa Rica 